Well, why don't you turn in your Bibles or your Bible apps, please, to Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7. If you do have a Bible access, do access it right now, because I'm going to be moving around a bit. So if you don't have a Bible, you can follow. But if you do have a Bible or on your phone or whatever, uh, do get it out for this evening. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7. The title of my sermon today is God's Today Word. God's Today Word. Hebrews 3, chapter 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion, on the day of temptation in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Be attentive, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, and you depart from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it's still called today, lest any one of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence firmly to the end. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were they who heard and rebelled? Was it not all of those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he grieved for 40 years? Was it not with those that had sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who disobeyed. So we see that they could not enter because of unbelief. Therefore... Since the promise of entering his rest remains, let us fear lest any of you should seem to come short of it. For the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word preached did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. Today, if you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit... It was a now word that the author of Hebrews was bringing to a group of Christians that were severely under pressure. Their faith was under pressure. They were being persecuted. They were in two minds, many of them, double-minded. Do we go forward with Christ or shall we make it easy for ourselves and go back to the old life and the old covenant and the old synagogues where we won't be persecuted, where everything was a lot easier uh, than it is now following Christ. Their sentiments were echoing the sentiments of the Moses generation that we just heard about, who had come out of great slavery, and they were on a journey with God into a promised land. But you know the story that during that period, of coming out of Egypt, they complained. They kept wanting to turn back. 
They wanted to go back to slavery where everything was a lot easier under Pharaoh's law. You didn't have to believe God for anything. You didn't have to hope for anything. You just got up. You carried your bricks. You made your, 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 your houses or whatever they told you to make. And then you went to bed. And the next day, you just got up. You made your bricks. You built for Pharaoh. Next day, made your bricks. You built for Pharaoh. Next generation, made your bricks and um, built for Pharaoh. Next generation, for hundreds of years. This was the cycle of their lives. And now they were going into uncharted waters with a God who'd revealed them and delivered them from Egypt by the blood of lambs. And so this is important because the author is speaking to the Hebrews of the day, it's the epistle to the Hebrews, about the Hebrews uh, gone before them in, the, in Moses' generation, their ancestors. But he had a today word for them. The Holy Spirit was speaking to that generation today. And God has a word for us today. What is the Holy Spirit saying to us and to you today? Not yesterday, not last year, not tomorrow, not next year, but today. What is the Holy Spirit saying? Well, this passage that I read, I could have gone on a little bit more into Hebrews chapter 4, but this passage where the author is exhorting people not to be like the children in the wilderness that never entered into the promised land except a, a, a couple, that died in the wilderness, going around in circles until the last one of them dropped dead on the sand and a new generation was ready to inherit. What the author is saying is that we have a promised land that we should inherit, a promised land that we should go in. We too have been delivered from slavery. Do you know that if you're a Christian today, you have been delivered from great spiritual slavery. They were delivered from the hand of Pharaoh. But we that believe in Jesus who died for our sins and rose again and sits at the right hand of the Father, we have been delivered by his very blood that was shed on the cross. We have been delivered from the Pharaoh of sin, the Pharaoh of Satan, and the condemnation of the law that we could never follow in our own strength. We've been delivered. We have the bondage of sin broken. And God is calling us, if you like, to come out of our spiritual graves. We're all dead in our trespasses and sin. But when we believed, we were made alive in Christ. A spiritual resurrection on the inside of us took place. And God is calling us to come out of the tombs and come out of the grave clothes of the old life that is no longer us. This is what we're reading here. Now, right, at, right before, where it says, the, therefore, in verse 7, as the Holy Spirit says, just before that, therefore, we have a passage speaking about Jesus and his ministry at the right hand of the Father. How many of you know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was so that he could go into his new ministry? For three years on this earth, Jesus ministered, culminating in his death and resurrection. But if you read John chapter 13 through John 17, you'll find that in the last days of Jesus' life on earth, before the cross, he was preparing his disciples. 
What was he preparing them for, his death? No, they, 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 weren't, they weren't going to be ready for that. He wasn't preparing them for that. Well, he was in a bit, but not the main thing. For his resurrection, not really. What was he doing in his last days? He was preparing them for his new ministry in heaven. The high priest sat at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and I uh, this, this evening. Three years ministry on the earth, over 2,000 years ministering in heaven. He went to prepare a place. He went to pray and to intercede at the right hand. He went to rule and reign so that we could have victory here on earth. And so when you, when you go back a little bit, let, let me just read from uh, Hebrews chapter 2. Speaking about Jesus being like flesh and blood in verse 16, Hebrews 2:16, For surely... He does not help the angels. Who's this? Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Surely he does not help the angels, but he helps the seed of Abraham, all who believe. Therefore, in all things it was necessary for Jesus to be made like his brothers, so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. For since he himself suffered while being tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So right at the beginning of this passage, it says, therefore the Holy Spirit says, we find Jesus in his ministry, his merciful ministry, his understanding ministry of what we're going through here on the earth, and his intercessory, his prayer ministry for us. It's right there. And then at the end of this section, when we come to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it finishes again with Jesus' high priest ministry. Hebrews 4, 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every sense tempted like we, yet without sin. Let us therefore come with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And then this ministry is explained even more in chapter 5. So we see a people that are hard-pressed, a people that are warned, don't be like the children of Israel, that because of unbelief, hardened their hearts to what God was speaking to them and didn't enter into their God-ordained destiny, their promised land. Don't be like them. But know that Jesus is at heaven and he's your greatest supporter. He's your greatest fan, if I can put it that way. He's rooting for you in heaven. In fact, he went to heaven so that we could be successful in our Christian lives on earth. He said, it's better that I go away for heaven. And then I'll, to heaven, I'll send the comforter and I'll be with you all. Wherever you are, he'll take of me my very thoughts and words towards you. And in an instant, he'll bring them to you. And so Jesus is praying us through this life. Jesus is praying that our faith won't fail. Jesus is praying for you and he's praying for me. I think one of the, the, the truths that needs to be reestablished in the end time church today is our understanding, and maybe even more so, our appreciation of what Jesus is doing for us right now in heaven.
He's praying for us. There at the beginning, there at the end, during this great struggle and warning not to be like the children of Israel that fell in the wilderness, Jesus, sympathetic to our needs. In other words, he feels what we feel. He knows our hurts, he knows our struggles, he knows our problems, and he's been there. He's been tested. He's been through it all. There's nothing that we've been through in pain, difficulty, or obstacles that he hasn't been through more. Uh, we haven't suffered yet to, to, to death, but he suffered to death and yet without sin. But he knows how you feel today. He knows how you feel. When you feel down, when you feel that it's all over, when you feel weak, he feels your weaknesses. He identifies with you. This is what it says here in, in Hebrews. And that means that because he identifies with us, we can have confidence to go to him in times of pressure to the throne, not of judgment, but of grace, mercy. And find grace in time of need. How many people here today watching, you need more grace today. I mean, you need grace. I mean, you need God's spirit to help you. I mean, you need God to, 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 to work stronger in you and through you. You need more of the Lord's help. Well, isn't that wonderful? That's what he's in heaven to do, to pray for you, to pray that the Holy Spirit helps you, to lift your needs to the Father and his throne. Where the power is, there is his grace. Remember, he's on the throne of the whole world. In fact, when the author in verse 7 quotes, today, if you hear his voice, he's actually quoting from Psalm 95. So if you want to see this quote in its original, you can see it in Psalm 95. I won't go, that, go there today with you. But in that psalm, before we get to the today, if you hear his voice passage, it's speaking about how God is totally in control of everything. It says that he's Lord of the mountains. His hands are there where the mountains are. But it also talks about his hands being in the depths of the sea. In other words, there is nowhere that is out of reach from God. He's totally in control. If I could sum it up, it means he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got his whole world in his hands. He's got you in his hands. And his hands are lifted to pray for you. This is confidence for us to face the issues that Hebrews is speaking to, of the generation there and also the generation today. A land of inheritance and a land of promise. And Jesus is praying for us and Jesus is rooting for us and Jesus is sending his Holy Spirit so that we would not fall in the wilderness of nothing, but enter into a land of promise. Do you know God always deals with his people by the promise? He deals with his people by the promise. If you look in the Old Testament times, you'll see that God dealt with his people by giving them promises. And when those promises were received and mixed with faith, God would bring them into his plans, the destiny that he has for them. Do you know that God has a destiny for each one of us? And not just each one of us alone, but God has a destiny for us together. The destiny for the children of Moses was to enter into the promised land. There was going to be warfare. 
They would have to drive out the giants. But God promised them that he'd be with them and that they would triumph and that if they trusted him and obeyed him and believed him, then they would drive out all of their enemies and then they would come to a point where they would enter into their rest. We find that in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 8 following, where it speaks about the fact that if they enter into the land of their promise, they will eventually, if they trust the Lord, drive out all the enemies, there'll be no enemies left, and they will be at rest. But how many of you know the history, even the Joshua generation didn't drive out all the enemies? But this was their destiny. But you know the story. They didn't listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and their hearts hardened. We see again and again in chapter 3 and chapter 4 this phrase, today if you hear his voice. We see it in verse 7, today if you hear his voice. We see it in verse 15, today if you will hear his voice. We see it in verse 7 of chapter 4, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. It's like there's a repetition here to bring us back again and again to this point that God was repeatedly speaking to the children of Israel in the wilderness and they were repeatedly turning their ear from what he was saying. We see in the passage that for 40 years they saw his works. They observed what God was doing, those great miracles that he did. Every morning they had the miracle of the manna coming down from heaven. They had the miracle of the rock, a picture of Jesus that gave them supernatural water. Every day they saw God at work. But despite that, although they saw his works, they didn't know his ways. You know, you can see the works of somebody without knowing their ways, their character. I mean, you can watch a great sportsman. Uh, you can watch a Lionel Messi if you're a football supporter. And you can look at his works. You can see his tricks. You can see his, his great footballing abilities on the, on the stage of world football. But you don't know him. You don't know how his heart works, how he thinks. You don't know his character. You see the manifestation. You see this with pop stars and politicians. You see what they can do, but you don't know what they're like. Not really. There is a public performance, if you like. Well, here, the children of Israel saw the works of God, but they didn't know what he was like. They had huge trust issues. And those trust issues kept them from trusting him to go into the battle zone. To go into the place where victories were to be won by faith and trust and believing in God. And God kept speaking and they kept turning their ear from him. Now, God was speaking into their hearts. That's what he was doing. He was, it was a heart-to-heart -heart speaking that God was speaking to them. But their deafness was a deafness of the heart. They were hardening their heart to God. Every time he spoke, they resisted. How did they harden their heart? Well, it says here that they hardened their heart through unbelieving. Verse 12, be careful, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart departing from the living God. 
The danger is, is that we don't believe that God is really active today. We can read the Bible about how God was active in times past, Bible times. We can read the history books of former revivals to see how God was uh, active and alive in former generations. But what about the living God today? What about God's plan for us today? What about God's promises for us today? What about you and me, our promised land? Is God alive and ready to take us into uncharted waters, into the enemy's territory? Do do we have enough faith and trust that, that God will be with us if we go? Or are we concerned that we take one step into our destiny will fall flat on our face because God will abandon us. Departing from the living God. God wants us to believe that he is very much alive and very much involved in his plans that he has for us. And then it says, verse um, 33, but exhort one another daily while it's still called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Unbelief is the root of all sin. Not believing in the living God is the root of all sin because, hey, if God's not alive or if he's not involved, then, hey, I can do whatever I want. I'll live my life alone. God's not interested. God's not worried. God doesn't care one way or the other. Many people live like that. And so we are here. This is a corporate body thing. We don't do this ourselves. We have to exhort one another daily. This is one of the most important aspects of our small group cell ministry, that they were there for one another. Not just comforting one another, but encouraging one another, challenging one another. I mean, if you're going to go into the enemy's territory, and you're going to go with God, you want to go with a band of brothers You want to go with some sisters with you. You want to go together. You you want to go as an army. And you want to encourage one another. When one's in the heat of the battle, you're there with them, praying for them, encouraging them. When you're in the heat of the battle, you want someone exhorting you, encouraging you. Don't give up, Bruce. Keep on going. God is with us. I'm behind you. Okay. Thank you. I'm all right. I am encouraged. But um, (laughs) that's encouraging too. Took me by surprise, but thank you. You want someone encouraging you. You can't do it alone. You're never asked to do it alone. Maybe that's a word for someone tonight. You're doing it. You're trying to do it alone. You can't do it alone. We were never designed to do it alone. And there's plenty of people that will stand shoulder to shoulder with you in this church. You can speak to us at the end of the service. Anyone with a badge will help you. Don't do it alone. You can't inherit alone. It's together. Yes, we'll have our personal battles. But corporately, my battle and your battle in the enemy's territory will bring an inflow of the kingdom of God. God wants us to eventually enter into our rest. Well, what does it mean to enter into your rest? Well, it can mean a number of things, and there's different opinions on this, but but, but I want to to mention uh, two things here. In entering into the rest, the children of Israel didn't enter into their rest. They didn't even enter into the battle to drive out that generation, the Moses generation, to drive out the enemies so that they could have a rest from their enemies. That would have been their rest. 
They would have inherited the land promised to them and achieved everything that God had planned for them. But there's another example here of working for a rest, and it's God himself. Here in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 3, let me continue. For we who have believed have entered this rest. As he have said, I've sworn in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Moses' generation. Now listen. However, God's works have been finished since the creation of the world. For he spoke somewhere about the seventh day like this. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in the present passage, he says, they shall not enter into my rest. And so here it says, God entered into his rest on the seventh day. God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Well, where's that a quote from? It's a quote from Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31. I'm going to read it to you. Genesis 1, verse 31. God has created six days. It says, God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Sorry, were the sixth day. So the heavens and the earth and all their hosts were finished. On the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done and rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he had rested from all his work which he had done. There is a picture. God was at work for six days, but when he completed his work, he rested. What's this speaking to us? Well, if we go a little bit further... Speaking about Joshua, and even he didn't drive out all the enemies. Verse, chapter 4, verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day. Therefore a rest remains for the people of God. For whoever enters his rest will also cease from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor... Therefore, to enter that rest, lest anyone fall by the same pattern of unbelief. Well, there you are. You see, the first example, the children of Israel, they had a work of faith. They were to enter into the promised land, and the Moses generation refused to do it. This doesn't mean that you won't see the Moses generation in heaven. You will. You will. They didn't lose their salvation because they didn't enter into the promised land. You say, how do you know that? Because for 40 years, they had manna every morning. For 40 years, they had water. For 40 years, they had the cloud of God's presence during the day and the fire at night. No, they they had reached the point of no return when it came to entering the promised land. But God was still feeding them. God was still caring caring them for those 40 years. And the manna was a type of Jesus. And the rock was a type of Jesus. But they forfeited their destiny. And a new generation, the Joshua generation, was raised up to do what they had been called to do. Every generation of Christians has a promised land and a destiny 
that they are called to inherit together with God. We have a work, not to get into heaven. Heaven is a free gift. We just receive it. The only work that is needed for us to be assured we're going to heaven when we die is the work that Jesus did. Jesus did it all. You can't add anything to his work that gets you to heaven. All you can do is gratefully believe and receive. But God has left us on the earth for a purpose. God has saved us for a purpose on earth. We have promises. God has designs for us. He's mentioned the indicators that we should watch and be careful of the indicators of, of observing God's works but not knowing what he's like. The indicator of how is your heart towards God? Are you open to hear what he has to say? The dangers of an unbelieving heart, the dangers of not ministering to one another. But conversely, to see the attitudes that will help us inherit what God has designed for us. Soft hearts to the word of God, soft hearts to the today word of the Holy Spirit. To mix God's word in all its forms, preaching, reading, to mix God's word to us with faith that produces corresponding prayers and action, exhorting one another daily. So this brings me now to what is God's word to us today? Because this is a general background. This picture of don't be like the Moses generation, but understand that God has a purpose for us. He has a land, if you like, for us to inherit. And this will come by believing God and trusting God. So what is the Holy Spirit speaking to us today? This is often a question we say, well, what is God saying to me today? What is on God's heart for me today? And the danger is, is that we mishear what the Holy Spirit's saying, or we try to put words in the Holy Spirit's mouth. Do you know that happens all the time? I think I've done it in my life on numerous occasions, where I have projected what I wanted or thought God should say to me, and then said, ah, that's what the Holy Spirit would say to me. Do you hear what I'm saying? We're in a situation, we know what we'd like God to say, or what we think God should say to us, and we say, ah, that must be the Holy Spirit. And then as we grow, we find, well, that wasn't the Holy Spirit at all. I, I didn't, I had, I, even with good intentions, I'd made it up at the time. And there are many Christians that aren't open to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying because they're not even in the same conversation that he is. Now, this passage is, this shows us that the Holy Spirit has a conversation. And that conversation is to do with the kingdom of God in us and through us. That is the highest priority of conversation that God wants with us on a daily basis. What is God saying? Well, are we listening? And, and I, I want to bring, bring this in the last few minutes in, into something to sort of give you a, a feel. The Holy Spirit has come to bring God's kingdom. This is his priority, and this is his priority of work in our lives. 
to bring the kingdom in our hearts and to bring the kingdom through us in earth. Your will be done, your kingdom come. Send your Holy Spirit. This is his priority. So these will be the priorities of what he wants to speak to us through his word and personalizing that word to our lives. Now you know, if you've been with us for, for any amount of time, that we have a 2020 vision. We have a vision of what we believe that God would like us to become in the next few years to the year 2020. And also, perhaps what, the, what God would like us to achieve in his kingdom. And I want to talk about these things because this is a good place to start about what the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you about today. We have this in our prayer diary, and uh, we've got three themes, three kingdom themes that we're focusing on. Mature, multiply, and mobilize. And these are kingdom themes. And in these kingdom themes, we've dared to have a vision to believe how we can see one another in these areas of kingdom life. So, for example, in our mature, and you can see this, we've got a whole presentation on our website. Uh, we can make these available. Uh, we can do this now, actually. If, you, if you'd like to see more, you haven't got a prayer diary, you can have these if you want to take these away. But we have a vision based on kingdom principles. And the first one is mature. Can we have... Our, our vision for mature. You see that behind me. Think about this. We see you developing the incredible potential that God has placed inside you and releasing it for the good of the kingdom. Isn't that what God wants? You have potential. I have potential. The children of Israel had potential to take the promised land. This is a kingdom thing. Could the Holy Spirit be speaking to you by the word and also internally about the gifts that God has given you? The potential that God has given you that he wants to unlock for the good of his kingdom and his gospel. Look at the next one. We see you encouraged, taught, trained to become an effective disciple of Christ in London. Isn't that wonderful? to be taught, to be encouraged? Could it be that the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of us about increasing our understanding of God's word? Increasing our discipleship, taking new steps in following the Lord, taking new steps in taking Bible principles with the help of the Holy Spirit into our lives. Now, I'm not saying that everything is for everyone all now, or as you'd be like, oh, my to-do list for Monday morning that I've ended up is like 50 things. What I'm asking you is what is the Holy Spirit impressing on your heart today? Well, one thing perhaps. We see you in a strong nurturing community with other people, join together to see others succeed and progress in life. Are you in a strong community? We see you serving and helping others to fulfill their God potential too. Is there something here that resonates with you? It's all kingdom principles. Ask the Lord, Lord, is there something that you're saying? Today, if you hear his voice, the Holy Spirit will take you step by step. 
He was going to take the children of Israel step by step into the promised land and then step by step wherever they put the soles of their feet, step by step they would conquer. Not all at once. It's a step by step walk with the Holy Spirit. In Galatians, it says, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. It actually says, keep in step. In other words, march with the Holy Spirit. As he walks, you walk. There's a rhythm of walking with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Another kingdom aspect that we're focusing on is um, multiply. Reaching out. That's what you've heard today. That's what we're doing. We're mobilizing for a summer of evangelism. Well, this is our vision for one another, a vision based on kingdom principles. Is there anything here that resonates with you tonight where you say, do you know what? I think that's a today word for me. I think this is my next step with the Holy Spirit, where with him and through him, I'm going to make adjustments. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to step out in prayer. I'm going to do something I've not done before. I'm going to pray something I've not prayed before. How about this? We see you equipped and encouraged to share your faith with others. Things are happening and things are available for us to take these steps. We see you able to give increasingly confident answers. Anybody here at the 2.30 service today? Uh, we We had some wonderful ministry regarding this. To those who ask about the hope, would you like to be like that? We see you touching the lives of those around you through powerful Christian love. How about those around you, your neighbors? I'm throwing things out here, hoping that something might stick as a today word for some of you here tonight. People at work tomorrow, touching their lives. We see you with a heart for the lost and a powerful prayer life that will help shake the foundations of our city. And then finally, mobilize. Mobilize. 2020 Vision Mobilized, that'll come up in a minute. And here we are. We see you increasingly equipped and successful as a Christian in your chosen career. You see, you say, God, have you got anything to say about my career? Have you got any leading? Yes, of course he's involved in your career because that's where you're going to be salt and light. We see you encouraged and in powerful partnership with other Christians involved in the same areas that you are. We see you ever more effective as salt and light witness to Christ in the wider marketplace. We see you transforming everything and everything around you. Why why am I representing the vision of the house towards us? Because sometimes we're not looking or having the same conversation that God is having with us. Have you ever had a difficult conversation? You're saying one thing and the person you're speaking to is saying something back to you. You're not hearing, you're not listening to what they're saying, but neither are they listening to you. It's just going cross purposes. I wonder whether some hard adjustments need to be made where we can say, all right, Holy Spirit, what's on your heart? Well, it's all there in the scriptures, but Lord, what's your today word for me? And when this today word... I believe God's already spoken to today words to many of you just, just by raising these kingdom issues. What one thing is God saying to you tonight? Maybe you say, well, there's two or three, all right, but I'm asking for one. What one thing about your maturity, about growing closer to God, about moving forward and becoming more Christ-like, about reaching out, 
about using your giftings in the marketplace and in the neighborhood and in the giants of influence. What has God been saying to you? What is God saying to you? Because these today words can change lives. Put on the whole armor of God, but take up the sword of the Spirit. And what is the word for the, the, the sword of the Spirit? The word of, the word of God, the word is the rhema. It is God's word made particular to you. That can come from studying the word. It can come from an impression. God's today word. 